what you want the folks to hear out of out of the text we're looking at today, Lord. Help me to um, point to you over and over again. And, and Lord, I pray that the folks who are here, that their hearts would be uh, just a fertile ground for the for the Spirit to find seed. Lord, I pray that you would um, just be with them and help them to focus, help them to um, understand in a way that's just prompted by your Spirit, and not by not by how clever I am, and not by not by anything, but but your will and your act in their hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I like to cook. Um, I've been trying to decide the best way to approach this topic, but I think, uh, I think that uh, Anne will appreciate this. I, I, I like to cook. Um, I, I don't like to cook everything. There are certain things I enjoy cooking, and, and one of the things I've done, Michael and Jessica can attest, um, over the last probably three or four years, I've I've taken up barbecuing, right? And I I have um, cooked for Michael and Jessica specifically. Is that right? It's <laughs> my my everything I've cooked. Like if you eat it, what you're tasting is what Jessica and Michael like, right? Um, and so I I do my cooking out. Like I when I started cooking briskets, they would taste it and say, oh well. I like this about it, but this needs to be a little different, and I don't like this, and hey, could you try this, and oh, yeah, this isn't good, don't do that again, and, and over time, I've cooked for their um, preferences, which is why I think Michael and Jessica should be the judges at every brisket cook-off we do. Um, now, I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to tell you, I am a great cook. Silence. <laughs> I am, I, I, I can barbecue like, like a southerner. Um, and, and, and I, I bring my A game when I do. Now, if I were to stand up here and on my own make that proclamation, um, how meaningful would it be? Well, not particularly, right? Because I'm just saying something about myself. Um, however, if I point to Jessica and Michael, they can testify as to how I cook. I might take you to my office and point you to some of my awards. Um, and outside... <laughs> How many of those do you have, Ann? Uh, <laughs> she has pie. Yeah, I don't make pie um, <laughs> because I know better. Um, then if I when I lose to her in the pie baking contest, it's over. She would give me grief for the rest of my life. Um, but but me saying it is one thing. Me having an outside attesting to the quality of my cooking is something else, right? I will begrudgingly acknowledge that Brooke's children have bragged about his cooking to me. Um, they have t- gone on about how great he is at grilling and how great he is at these things. Like, they, they go on about it. I mean, it is, it is quite a thing to hear his children talk about him. I mean, it is, it is something else. Um, and your family has to, which is why I'm happy that Michael brags about my cooking. Um, as we dive into, as we dive into the text today, as we start looking at what we're doing here, um, we're working our way through John 5, and um, John 5 is sort of in this format of a trial. Everybody with me? Um, and, and we see where Jesus performs a miracle in the beginning of the book, and then there are folks who come along, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious leaders, who they don't like Jesus very much, and they decide that they're going to kill him. And they say, well, because he performed a miracle on the Sabbath, and because he said things that made himself equal with God. And so they're checked off, and they're planning on killing him. They've got this whole plot they're working up, and they've got an intent to get him. Um, 
And, and as they're building up, Jesus responds. And he responds with a series of statements and arguments. The first chunk of it is basically, hey, you're right, I am equal with God. Right? Like he, he goes beyond what they've accused him of and puts an exclamation point on it. They say, well, you made yourself equal with God. And he's like, yep, I am equal with God. And let me tell you how equal. And let me tell you what that means. And he gives this big, heavy explanation of the fact that he is on God's level and that God has sent him with a mission and that they think they're judging him. But in reality, they are like going to be judged for what they do with what he's got, right? So what are they going to do with him is how they'll be judged. They will believe and have faith and follow him, and then they'll be judged like as righteous because Jesus dies for our sins and our being good comes from that, right? Like I can't be good enough to be acceptable to God. Um, I am acceptable to God because Jesus died in my place and I receive his goodness and he took my punishment, Right. And so like like Jesus explains, hey, you're going to be judged based on me and what you do with what I have. And so he makes his statement and now he's going to start um, presenting his case as evidence. Right. Like you, everybody has watched those procedural shows like Law and Order and I don't know, whatever else they're in court and they do stuff. Um, there's always a part where they make their opening arguments and then they have testimony. Right. And then Matlock convinces somebody to confess to a murder on the stand, which I'm sure happens twice a week in the real judicial system. Um, but what Jesus is about to do is offer testimony. Now, there's some important stuff to understand for context. In Jewish world, if you did not have two witnesses, you did not have a trial. Got it? You could not bring a person to trial without two witnesses. And we actually see this. It's in Deuteronomy originally. It's a command. But we see this in the trial of Jesus where they produce witnesses. They just can't agree on what they say Jesus did. Um, but, but witnesses are required in judicial law, like for the Jewish people. So they require this. And Jesus is going to present his witness. Um, beyond that, um, at play here is... Um, Jesus' relationship with the Father, and you need to understand this. And actually, we can start with the first verse. He said this over and over again, and it's a restatement that bridges the last argument about him judging. Jesus comes as the judge of the creation, as the judge of the living and the dead. Um, he stands in God's place, and God has given this, this authority. And Jesus ends that argument by saying, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. I'm going to boil this down. It's really simple. Jesus has said, every bit of authority I have, the Father gives me, right? Every decision I make is because the Father has given me authority to make those decisions. All of the, um, you know, my, my judging the living and the dead, that happens because the Father has made me the judge. Now, with that God giving authority and life and everything else um, comes... Um, it, like it, it happens, it's possible because they're unified in will. They agree on what right and wrong and value and everything else is. They have perfect unity of will. Um, I might say, oh, my wife and I have perfect unity of will, but that would not be true, right? Because we don't agree on everything. And I could say it all I want, but Jessica wouldn't agree, right? And so as much as I say it, it's only true if Jessica says it's also true, right? Because I need to have a co corroborating witness on my front here. And as, so Jesus says, listen, as I judge, don't be afraid of my judgment. My judgment is just, I, I, because I'm judging according to the way the father does. Now for the Jewish people, this is the, 
One more example of, I am on the same level with God, right? Because in, for Jewish people, God is the only one who has the right to judge. And so Jesus is just doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. He said, well, you make yourself equal with God. Actually, God made Jesus, Jesus is equal with God. God has given Jesus all of his authority. The Father has given Jesus all of his authority. And so, like, technically not guilty of anything, but they're going to judge him for that. Um, we go on to 31 and 32. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Now, when he says not true, he's not saying, um, thank you, Mike. Um, he's not saying that it is false, right? The, the statement here, like the Greek, is really odd. The right word would be valid, right? If Jesus stands up in the same way as if I stand up and say, I am one of the greatest barbecue cooks in the world. Now, it may be true or untrue. But it's not valid until I have an outside corroboration of it, right? Um, the validity of it is from the outside. In Jesus' case, because Jesus has repeatedly said, my authority comes from the Father. I am one with the Father. We are this close. Um, the Father has to agree with that, right? Because if the Father doesn't agree with it, it's not true. I could say, my wife and I are so close and intimate, we never argue, and we, you know, hand in hand all the time in perfect will, and we sing songs together, and, you know, it's wonderful, the stuff of, like, fairy tales. If my wife doesn't agree with that, as the other half of this equation, right, then there's a problem. Jesus has repeatedly said, I'm one with the Father. If the Father doesn't agree with Jesus that they are one, then we have a problem, right? So he needs a testifying witness, and he points to the Father. Um, But also he needs this witness because the Father is the second half of this conversation. If he says, my Father has given me this authority, either the Father agrees or he doesn't. So the Father has to be able to attest to the truth of it. Um, It's like my daughter. I pick on her so much, but she's not in the room right now. um, Frequently wants to punish her brother. Right? Oh, you're not supposed to do that. It's time for you to get spanked. You know, well, no, you don't get to do that. And mom said I can. Right? But mom didn't say that. Right? She has no actual authority. She's five. Um, And so she can say it all she wants. If mom and dad don't agree, it ain't true. And so Jesus makes a statement. If I alone bear witness, then my testimony is not true because the father has to be on my side in this, because the father is the linchpin of it, and because you guys require witness. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. So when he says he hasn't brought up the father yet, he says there is another. He's talking about God the father. Um, He says, well, the father testifies about me, and what he says is true. There's just truth to his testimony. Um, We go on from there. If I can get my slide to change. There it is. Um, You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Now, it's easy to assume, by the way, that Jesus says there is another, and then he starts talking about John. It's easy to assume that he's talking about John, but that's actually not what he's doing here. This is an aside, right? Because the Jewish leaders, they don't believe him. They just don't believe him. Um, Certainly, some of you all have talked to folks who don't believe you about something, right? You know, you, I, I used to work, when I worked at the home, I would tell, like, these kids who were atheists, I would talk to them about Jesus. And they would, not, they didn't believe Jesus was, was a real man. They didn't believe that God was real. They didn't believe any of that. And so, like, instead of saying, well, God is real because he says he is real, right? And they ain't going to buy that because that's an argument into itself. 
I would take a step toward them and say, well, let me tell you about things that I can point to around you that prove that it's true, right? This person and this person and this person or this piece of evidence and this piece of evidence and this piece of evidence. I'm able to point to things in the world around us that supports the truth of the gospel, right? Now, is the gospel true because of those things? No. The gospel is true because it's true. That's right, Mike. Um, The gospel is true because God declares it's true. But um, when you talk with somebody who doesn't believe, you have to come to their level, right? You have to create steps for them to come up to get closer to the truth of it. And this is an example. Or another example I would use is like the disciples. The disciples are not greater than Jesus, right? Jesus says no student is greater than his master's. But, like, there are 11 disciples apart from Judas. Judas hanged himself. Anybody know how many of those 11 died of natural causes, old men in their beds? One. And actually that one didn't die in his bed. He died in prison, like at 100 years old. The other 10 were set on fire and skinned alive and nailed to crosses and had their heads cut off. And every one of them, the whole time, was swearing that Jesus is is who he said he was. Swearing they saw Jesus rise from the dead. Swearing these things. Like, they died swearing it was true. So as we point to those guys, they don't make the story of Jesus true, right? But they make it easier for somebody else to understand the truth of it. So Jesus shifts gears. He says, there's another who testifies about me. God testifies about me. But you don't even know God. So how about John? John the Baptist, you went out there. You sent a delegation out to interview him. That was like three chapters ago. We did like four sermons on it because I'm beating these topics to death, I guess, Um, because there's a lot of truth in them, and we need to be be diligent in that. Um, But he is born witness to the truth. How did he do that? Well, Jesus says, or John the Baptist said, that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? John the Baptist, like, repeatedly points to Jesus as like the promised one that God has sent. And so Jesus stops and says, well, wait a minute. You're not going to believe the Father because you don't really believe the Father. What about John the Baptist? You guys respected the heck out of that guy, and he testified about me. Um, Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. So Jesus explains it. I'm stepping closer to you. You knew John the Baptist. Believe his words, right? It's sort of... Awful analogy, I guess, but in Star Wars there's this line where Luke Skywalker's about to to leave to go and rescue his friends, and Yoda's saying, well, you're going to die doing this. It's going to be a disaster. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi shows up and says, no, you're going to destroy everything if you leave. And Yoda says, hey, listen to Obi-Wan. You believe him, right? This is Jesus pointing and saying, listen to John the Baptist. You believe him, right? And in reality, they didn't like John the Baptist very much either. (laughs) But they respected him. Um, so Jesus says, listen, I don't need any of you people to testify about me. The Father testifies about me, but I'm going to give you people's voices so that you can believe. That's right, Mike. Um, as we step on, like, so Jesus, he's presenting his case. He's presenting his argument. Believe John the Baptist if you don't believe me. He was a burning and shining lamp. You were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Now, um, a burning lamp Um, When we step out into the sunlight, we see the sun, right? The sun is so doggone bright that it casts light on everything. If I bring my flashlight outside and I click it on, you can't really see the light from my flashlight. Is it true? If I sit in the dark and I turn my flashlight on, you can see my flashlight, right? 
John the Baptist carries the truth of who Jesus is, carries this, this gospel with him, carries the light with him. He isn't the light. John the Baptist in and of himself is not God. He is not truth in and of himself. He is like a lit lamp, like my flashlight in a dark room. If it's dark enough, you're going to see it, right? If it's dark enough, you can't miss it. Um, John the Baptist is carrying that light with him. And they were happy to find it because the world was dark. Now they're standing in front of Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. You know, he is carrying, like John 1 talks all about him being the light. Um, but men love darkness, is actually what John 1 says. So when they encounter the light, it's a little like stepping out into the sunlight, looking up and saying, nope, I don't like this. Where's the light of my TV again? <laughs> and that's what they do. These guys are listening to Jesus talk, and he says, hey, you love John. But he was only a lamp. Now pay attention to the real light I'm bringing to you. Pay attention to the real, heavy, serious, blinding truth in front of you, and it'll save you. You know, but at least believe the light that he brought. At least believe the truth that he brought. And his truth pointed to me. And he goes on, he says, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. So he says, listen, you believe John, he pointed at me, but the testimony I have is greater. Now, here's where the meat of this comes in, okay? And this is, this is where this gets really cool. And this is where you can kind of apply this yourself. And this is awesome. Watch this. Um, the testimony I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Now, Jesus performs miracles. He performs miracles because the Father has given him authority and power to do that. Earlier in the chapter, he walks into a, into a, a bath, and he says to this guy who's lame for 30 years, he says, hey, get up and walk. Right? And he's able to do that. Doesn't touch him, doesn't apply mud to him, doesn't spit on him. He does that in other spots. Like he doesn't do anything except command the guy, get up and walk. I have that kind of authority. I can say, walk, and you walk. Right? I mean, that's quite a thing. Um, sometimes I yell at the car when it won't start. Start, darn it! Does it work? Very seldomly. Right? <laughs> um, but in reality, Jesus has that kind of authority. And he says, listen, the authority I have testifies to who I am. God has given me the ability to perform signs. By the way, the difference between a sign and a miracle is, a miracle is like a break in nature, right? Something happens that probably shouldn't happen because the laws of nature like sort of disagree with it. Um, versus um, a sign points. So Jesus performs signs, and these signs point toward the truth that he is the Son of God, that he has authority. So he says, listen, if you don't believe John... Or, you know, believe John, but I'm going to tell you, you see me. You see me performing miracles. Heck, I'm on trial right now because I healed a guy on the Sabbath. And you're worried about whether or not I have authority to work on Saturday. You know, I can do that because I have the authority to perform miracles in the first place. Believe that. Also, his teachings, the Pharisees and Sadducees, over and over again are astonished. They're like, this guy teaches in a way that no one ever has. We need to pay attention to him. And then in the next sentence, they're like, man, but I don't like what he has to say. He teaches as one with authority, but man, he doesn't have authority, and if he claims it, we'll kill him for it. Um, and they're torn as they deal with him. But So he says, listen, the works I have, the ministry I'm doing, the preaching I'm doing, and everything else, so as you back up and you look at the scriptures, like 
John has given us this great book, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, if you start reading Paul, Paul like had some encounters with Jesus, um, and you can learn about Jesus through him. You can learn about Jesus through James, who was like Jesus' half-brother. You learn all these things about Jesus, but it's his teachings, his works, and everything else that points to this truth and points to the reality that he has this authority. He is the Son of God. He can do these things. Um, and he says, look at the stuff I've done. Look at the stuff I've said and believe based on that. Um, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. Now, what does he mean by this? This is where it gets a little stickier because there are guesses. People say, well, when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, there was a loud voice from heaven. Is that it? Well, maybe, except that John doesn't mention it in his book. And so it's really hard to say something that John didn't mention is something he's referring to. Could have been, right? Maybe not. Um, rather, he... Like, actually, I'm going to argue that that's not what he's talking about. He's about to jump into the explanation. Um, His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Now, Jesus says, listen, you've never heard God's voice. They hear Jesus talking, so they're actually hearing God's voice, but they've never heard the Father because they don't believe what the Father tells them. They, I love my wife. There are many days she's ready to strangle me because she will say things to me. And it's like, husbands, gentlemen, have you ever had this? My wife, your wife says, I told you to do this five minutes ago. And you're like, what? (laughs) You told me to what now? (laughs) I don't remember hearing that. Um, Just because something is spoken to you doesn't mean you hear it, right? And these folks have had things spoken to them, but they haven't heard it. Um, And we'll see where where this is coming from. We'll get into that in just a second. Um, They've never heard. um, They've never seen, meaning like they've seen Jesus. They've seen his acts. They've seen the Father do great things in the creation, like through Jesus, but they don't see the Father. Um, and his word is Jesus, and Jesus is not abiding in these guys. They don't believe him. They don't trust him. They've pushed him away. And so even though they believe they're religious, like the word isn't in them. They're empty, right? I, uh, one of the most frustrating things in the whole world is opening a tin of cookies and finding it empty, right? Um, I would argue that one of the most frustrating things in the world is encountering, encountering a person who professes to be a believer in Jesus but doesn't look anything like him. You pop the top off and it's empty as can be, right? Or worse, full of stuff that you don't want to find. Um, because in reality, Jesus abiding in us um, is, is the objective. When we read the scriptures, we're not reading them so that we can be knowledgeable. Knowledgeable is a part of it, but it is not the end goal. The end goal is becoming like Jesus, drawing close to God, right? You're here. Some of y'all sang today, right? You're listening to me talk. Some of y'all have listened to me talk the whole way through, and that is a miracle in and of itself. Um, We minister to other people. We serve other people. We do all of these things, but we do them with a specific objective. That objective is to know Jesus and to draw close to God. Um, That's If I, you know, I can serve people my whole life, but if I don't carry around the love of Jesus in me, I'm wasting my time, right? I can be crucified swearing that Jesus is the Son of God, But if I do that without the love of Christ, without Christ himself dwelling in my heart, then I basically, like, gain nothing for it. Um, I can spend my whole life ministering, but if I do it without the word abiding in me, without, like, the love of God in Christ 
exuding from me, if that's not something that's coming out of me, if it's not the reality of who I am, there's nothing to be gained by it. Is it? Exactly. Paul says uh, a clanging gong or a clanging cymbal or a holler. I don't Anyway, I'm going to start quoting a verse that I can't do off the top of my head. It's awful. Um, so he says, listen, you guys are empty. You think you know the Father, but you don't. And now he's about to reveal how the Father is testified. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And this is actually uh, Rabbi Hillel was an ancient rabbi. And Rabbi Hillel says um, that to study the word is to gain eternal life. Because the more you fill yourself with the word, the more you, you know, like, like move into eternal life. And Hillel was one of the great rabbis. He was, um, I think the Pharisees, like that was, he was their guy. Right? And they believed, I will study the scripture so I'll be saved. But they study the scriptures and they miss the point. Um, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Now watch this. If the scriptures, the whole Bible, front to back, tells the story of Jesus. If you read the book of um, Exodus, is the story of the, the Jews coming out of slavery. It is the story of Jesus. It tells the gospel beforehand through a thing called um, typography. It points forward, right? And Jesus, in his life, he lives out these stories and reveals truths about God by, like, pointing back to them, by being them pointing to him. It's kind of convoluted there. But, like, what he's saying is everything in the scriptures is about me. And if you read the Bible and you don't know me as a result, then you're missing the voice, Right? My wife can tell me all sorts of things, but if I don't hear it, I don't hear it. I can read the scriptures forever, but if it doesn't make me like Jesus, might as well not have. I come away as empty as I was before, right? Or worse. Because there are folks who will read the scriptures and they fill themselves up with, like, envy and bitterness and wickedness and everything else. It becomes an excuse to push the folks around them around or they... They um, contort them to justify their lifestyle or, or whatever. Like, just because you read the scriptures doesn't mean you gain eternal life. We gain eternal life by knowing Jesus, by belonging to Jesus, by him abiding in us. Because the objective, and this is what Jesus is explaining, he says, listen, I have a witness, and my witness is the Father. And that witness is in the Old Testament. It points to me. If you read it, it teaches you about me. If you want to be saved, if you want to be spiritually alive, walk with me. Submit to me. Be my disciple. That is where it comes from. Everything else is a waste. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have eternal life. So these are guys who can recite the scriptures. Like he's talking to religious teachers. In school, they would have memorized the entire Old Testament. And if they went to school long enough, the Talmud. The Talmud is... I don't know, I got a copy of it. It's 30 volumes. These guys know their stuff, and they can rattle it off the cuff like it's nothing. But, but, it's just like having a couple of nickels in a can, right? You rattle all you want. It's still mostly empty. Um, these people carry the word, but they're empty because they don't know Jesus. Um, this is what it comes down to. Um, everything we do, ladies and gentlemen, comes down to knowing Jesus, comes down to drawing close to Jesus, comes down to worshiping Jesus, comes down to us being transformed from the inside out to look like Jesus. Not with a beard and the long mullet, but, but um, in the way that we love, in the way that we serve, in the way that we 
humble ourselves and the way that we point to the Father and the way that we like stand as the body of Christ, like loving and serving and like together, like all of this stuff is how we grow. My challenge for you, and this is actually how you can apply this, as you read, as you pray, as you do the things you do, are you drawing closer to Jesus? Are you? I, I, I struggle with this some days because I'll back up and say, well, you know, I study the scriptures for a living. I think uh, that's, I was telling some folks earlier, Tavia from, um, what is that musical? Yes, Fiddler on the Roof. Like he talks about being a rich man. And the best thing he could get as a rich man would be able to study the scriptures seven hours a day. It would be the best thing ever, right? Like I'm, I'm rich because I get to study the scriptures for a living and I get to teach it. I get to tell you all about Jesus. I get to point at Jesus. I get to do this. Like that's, I'm rich beyond words. But do I study it so I can be like Jesus? And that's a challenge. I know ministers who like, thank you. (laughs) I know ministers who study the word but don't look like him. But don't imitate him. Don't love folks like he loved them. Um, Don't, you know, serve like he served. Don't wash the feet of the folks around them. Don't, you know, don't end up looking anything like Jesus, right? In everything you do in pursuit of God, if it does not make you more like Christ, you are wasting your time. If you are not submitting better to Jesus, if you are not loving the way Jesus loved, if you are not, like, putting to death your sinful nature, right? Like, man, because I sin, like, it's, it's second nature to me. Actually, it's first nature if you read the Bible. <laughs> like, it's easy to do. That stuff gets put away because I love Christ and I draw into him, right? Not because I try hard, but because I become like Jesus. So my challenge and my question for you, and I think I've gone a little long, but I'm not going to apologize because this is important. Um, my encouragement for you as you walk out the door today, as you go out and, and do your harvesting, as you do your, your work, as you do your everything, um, is it drawing you closer to Christ? When people look at you, are they seeing Jesus? Are you testifying to the truth of Jesus in your life through the works and the growth that happens in you? Jesus said over and over again, right? You can tell what kind of bush you got by the, by the fruit, right? I bought... Um, Two bushes yesterday, they're lilacs, right? The only reason I know they're lilacs is because they have lilacs on them. Otherwise, they would just be green things that I'm going to put in my yard, right? Like, there's nothing beyond that. I know they're lilacs because they're lilacs. I got a berry bush in the yard. My kids ate the berries once. I had to find somebody who knew something about trees so I could find out if they poisoned themselves. I showed them the berry, and they said, that's that kind of bush. Choke cherries, I think, or something. Anyway, um, how do I know? Because that's what kind of fruit came off them, right? What kind of fruit's coming off you? Are you seeking Jesus in the word? Are you praying to draw closer to Jesus? Are you serving the folks around you? Are your relationships, is your marriage, is your neighbors, is everything you do, is this pointing you to Christ and pointing them to Christ? Are you growing? We're going to close in prayer and I'll let you all go. Um, and, and yeah, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning and help us to Help us to draw closer to you as we read the word, as we study the scriptures, as we walk with you, as we serve our neighbor, as we do all of these things, Lord, do we draw closer to you, Lord? If if we don't, um, shine a light on that, Lord. Shine a, the sunlight on it, the light of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Help us to become like you. Help us to submit to you. Help us to crucify our old self and become different. Lord, if there are areas that we're unlike you, bring them to our sight so that we can 
so that we can become more like you, Lord. Help us to be kind of, become the kind of folks that when people meet us, they know Jesus more. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Quick reminder, talk to Keely about signing up for